Hi, I'm uh, Philippe Desgranges, co-founder and CEO at ManaCube, and you're listening to The App Guy. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, The App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, The App Guy. So this is episode 467 of The App Guy podcast. It's with uh, Christian Bao, and he is the founder developer of Notion Theory. Uh, it's a great episode because... We talk about building and delivering products to market within four weeks, but there's tons and tons of content. If you're interested in the startup world, then this is a great episode because he talks about uh, the iceberg and the fact that w when you look around the web, you only see the tip of the iceberg uh, and not the uh, hundreds and thousands of hours that tends to be hard work. Uh, I love his quote. He, he says something about uh, the hottest fire creates the hardest steel. And it, 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 I, I really think that is about improving yourself the fact that it is tough uh, things can get really low but uh, actually it does uh, create a better person in you uh, when you're a startup founder and uh, he uh, talks about problem solving which is one of the big themes of this show uh, so lots of great content but before i do uh, go into the episode let me just take a moment to thank my sponsors i've got two they're great sponsors the first is toptal and you can go to toptal dot uh, com forward slash Paul or lowercase and uh, you'll get uh, a no risk trial of up to two weeks. Now let me tell you what they do. They uh, have a network of developers and designers and these people are the best. They are the top caliber of talent, top 3%. They have a hands-on matching process and there's that no risk trial uh, which is up to two weeks. So uh, basically what they do is they cover the costs of the developer or designer should you not have a good fit and a great experience. Uh, so I will tell you more about it through the podcast, but for now, just go to toptal.com forward slash Paul. That's toptal.com forward slash Paul. And also I want to thank Gummy Cube, a very long running sponsor of the show. Uh, I wouldn't be doing this show without Gummy Cube. Uh, they've always been supportive. They are the world's best when it comes to App Store optimization again i'll tell you more about them through the middle of the podcast but for now just go to gummycube.com g-u-m-m-i-c-u-b-e.com to find out all about their app store optimization service and the fact they're pulling data from the app stores so uh, great thanks for the sponsors and uh, now let me uh, get straight into this episode with christian bow episode 467 Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host. This is Paul Kemp. Now, this is the show where I get founders, developers, CEOs. We go through and have a chat with them about what they're doing. It helps you out. So if you are into uh, doing side projects, into starting up your own company, or uh, if you have, um, maybe you're working as an indie app developer, whatever it may be, then this is the podcast for you. Just to remind everyone, I do have a very large uh, Slack community, which you're very welcome to join. Just go to my website, the App Guy. Co, and you can get a lot of stuff from in there. Uh, look for the Slack update on the navigation bar. So here we are, we're chatting. It's episode 467, and uh, we're going to chat with uh, uh, Christian Bao, who is uh, the founder and developer at Notion Theory and th what they do. So, Christian, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. So t tell us, I'm really fascinated the fact that you build and deliver products uh, and get them to market within just four weeks. Tell us what is it you're doing there at Notion Theory? 
Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's been a pretty interesting value proposition that um, kind of, as you already described, is very explicit and clear as to what we do and the value we provide. Um, and kind of how it started more or less was we were really focused when we started the company on delivering cost-effective, quick turnaround solutions to get a product to market, to allow entrepreneurs that have ideas or companies that want to pursue new products, get something into the market quickly, into their customers' hands, and really validate that they have a viable business uh, before they invest all the time and resources into building the entire product out. So in a nutshell, making sure that companies do not over-optimize for the 25% that they know. Now, this is really important to us because we've had many episodes where we've actually spoke with founders who have lost a lot of money, uh, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes even millions of dollars. Uh, and uh, I guess you, um, the mistake we've learned is that they push something out to market, then spend a lot of time trying to get that idea out there. Uh, and it wasn't a good validation in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So as an entrepreneur, like you're very emotionally attached to the product you're doing. And so uh, one of the pitfalls that, that entrepreneurs really have to identify very early on is that um, like just kind of a prerequisite of being an entrepreneur is, is being uh, great at lying and being delusional. Um, but you have to identify that really early on and, and see that and notice when you are stringing together um, assumptions to create a plausible truth. And again, it's something too often people do. They they come up with the idea in their head and the longer you let it marinate, the longer you let it sit without getting out of the building, talking to customers and trying to validate it, um, the, the more difficult it becomes to actually like see the truth and, and, and get the real answers because um, you know everything kind of operates in this perfect world when you're thinking about it. And so you know in your head, in your dreams, when you're in the shower, when you're on that run, customers love your product. Every single feature is incredible. And there's just, there's nothing you can do wrong. Investors are just crawling on their knees and begging to give you money. But when you actually take that product out and you kind of get out of your head and actually get on the ground floor to, to talk to customers and people that are using your product, um, it's never one-to-one. -one and uh, most of the assumptions that you have uh, certainly fall short. And so with, you know, in terms of saving time and money, the minute you have an idea, the first thing you should do is get out and talk to people as soon as possible and really, really validate whether you've identified the right problem. And if you have, are you targeting the right customer? And if you are, what is the solution you should build and get to market that they will pay for? And that is a very important piece because just as you mentioned, not only do people spend a lot of money just building the product and getting it out there, but then they spend even more money trying to market a product that people aren't willing to pay for because they validated a problem, a customer, but they didn't settle on the right solution that they're willing to pay for. And it doesn't matter how beautiful or innovative your product is. If customers do not buy it will fail. And even nonprofits have customers that they have to appeal to in order to get the funding they need to do the things they want to do. You know, this is a fascinating episode because it almost comes in exactly the same time as I'm, uh, I've got this amazing idea. It's um, uh, podcasting. Hit me with research. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're right. Everywhere I've been, I am guaranteed that everyone's going to love this. Um, but now you've made me realize it, it's um, uh, searching for audio. And so you can put in uh, into a search bar like Google and search for all your favorite podcasts and pull out keywords and listen to snippets. Uh, uh, but you're right. I mean, so what I'm learning from you is go out there and validate it, speak to people, try and get uh, to see if there's something they're willing to pay for. 
That's it. And uh, it is it is the most basic thing you can do in terms of because you, your entire goal when you have an idea or you, you start a company, um, you're really in a race against time, right? Because there's X amount of time before that runway uh, runs out. And that runway can be time, it can be money, or it, it can even usually just be motivation before you lose steam. And so the, the entire goal in terms of trying to get to product market fit, meaning finding the product customers are willing to pay for and scaling from there, um, the entire goal is to accelerate the rate of learning about the problem you're trying to solve, the customer solving it for, and ultimately the solution that they'll be willing to pay for. And so when you're starting out, the simplest way to do that is just have a conversation with a potential customer or, or who you identify as a potential customer. It costs you no money. It takes a little bit of time, but you're going to learn a hell of a lot from talking to about 10 people. I was wondering as well from this is a show about apps and do you think apps are particularly prone to this because the people I, I speak to get extremely excited about the capability of what they can do with uh, an app you know with all the new features Absolutely. coming out uh, is it is it something we have to be aware of for this particular industry yeah and I think uh, something you're you're kind of harping on there subtly is uh, kind of people falling falling in love with the technology or the solution right um, and again this is kind of a, a pitfall I mean I do a lot of speaking between uh, San Francisco New York DC Miami um, and in a lot of the startups that I speak with uh, this is sometimes the, the the uh, talking points that come up, well, you know, there's these new features, there's these new functionalities, there's these new technologies, all these exciting things coming out. Um, and again, you have to be careful there because if you fall in love with the solution or the technology, um, then you tend to become a little less passionate about the problem. Um, and this creates a whirlwind of problems. And when you consider a lot of failed startups, if you talk to enough of them, you'll sometimes easily identify that how they started was they came up with a solution in their head, right? Maybe it was based around a feature or a certain technology, but they build it because they think it's cool, it's gonna be game changing. And then after they've built it, they then go look for customers. And so they only they they just you know go one by one, try and work through the funnel, and they find the customers that are willing to use the product. And then, of the customers that are using a product, uh, they then look for the problem that each of them have and assume that is the problem that needs to be solved, which is most often not the case. And so. Um, the issue there is that because you are not passionate about the problem, you're not being solution agnostic. Um, and the way you guarantee uh, value to your customer is that you stay passionate about the problem instead and you be solution agnostic so that, again, you'll always guarantee that you're delivering value no matter what you put in front of your customer. Um, Christian, let's do um, something rather fun then because uh, I know that you advise a lot of startups and you almost, I think, sit on... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so let's pretend then uh, you're on my uh, board, you're the CTO, and I've got this idea, uh, which is uh, podcasting um, searchable. The problem is that uh, people can't find uh, the stuff that they're looking for within audio. What would be the, the few things that you could advise me that would make the difference in me not losing uh, $50,000 and uh, pursuing a, a dream that, that doesn't actually have a market? Yeah, absolutely. So the... The first thing to, to know when you're kind of tackling uh, this problem is that 
um, you know, m most people worry about like competitors in this space. And so they'll go and try and find all the competitors. But um, I think Paul Graham said it best, Ride Combinator, uh, most startups die by uh, suicide rather than homicide. And so you'll, there's so many things that'll happen where you'll kill yourself before another competitor will come along. And so um, you do need to worry about a competitor and that competitor is your current your, your customer's uh, current behavior as to how they're solving the problem that is you're targeting. Um, and so the problem that you're kind of portraying, uh, the most important thing, again, just if we go back to square one and going and talking to potential customers, I mean, you have an incredibly large base and market share of people that are listening to your podcast. So you really have a leg up because you can reach out to all these people and identifying with them if they are experiencing the same problem that you are. Um, and if so, how are they dealing with the problem now? Um, you want to find the individuals that show a propensity of the behavior because if you come to someone that is not having that problem or they don't uh, kind of um, perform the action you're explaining, uh, they don't see the value. Uh, a, they don't see a problem to begin with, but B, they don't see a value in a potential solution. And so uh, there you would try to be forced behavior change where it's maybe not welcome. Uh, but with the individuals that are showing a behavior of what you're targeting, identifying with them, how are they solving the problem now, um, and getting feedback from them as to how it could be solved better, uh, they'll certainly be more open to the solution you might want to add, and they'll certainly be your early adopters. Um, and then from there, in terms of time and cost, it's really identifying the, uh, I would say, hmm, one of the... Uh, I guess issues most founders make is that they kind of over optimize when they are building products or features. Um, and so you don't ever really want to automate something uh, completely unless you really understand the entire workflow of the process. Uh, because when you, you have the phrase, uh, do things that don't scale, um, one of the great reasons to do that is you're able to identify kind of all the friction points in the process. And so when you then do go to automate it, um, you'll, you'll kind of hit the nail on the head when you deliver that solution to customers. This is great advice. And uh, I was just wondering, do you have any actionable steps on how to actually get in front of those customers? Because uh, I've actually been asked quite a lot recently, uh, how do you get surveys answered? Do you incentivize them? You know, how, how do you get people to respond to you in the first place? Do you have any actionable steps that you could we could learn from you? Sure. Um, and can I make a can I make a quick comment about surveys? Yeah, sure. Great. <laughs> right, uh, so I would say you kind of have the um, one of the problems with surveys. I'd say they're okay to do, um, but there really is no substitution at all for actually talking to a customer. Um, because if you consider, say, um, you know, just general analytics, right? If you put analytics in your site, in your application. Um, and you're tracking what users are doing, it'll tell you what someone did, when they did it, and how they did it. But the question you really want to understand is why. If you have a three-step form, and, and what analytics can do is it can tell you, okay, well, on step two of this form, on question three, only 50% of people are completing that. And of the 50% that complete it, only 75% are going on to complete the entire form. So again, analytics is telling you, okay, here's a friction point. It's telling you what people are doing, uh, when they're doing it, and how. But again, what you want to know is why. Why are people not completing that question and then not completing the rest of the form? Is it because they lost interest? Is it because something scared them off? Is it because 
they just left their kid at soccer practice and they need to go back and get them. And again, surveys are not uh, completely quantitative to that degree, uh, but there still is the issue where if you give someone a survey, you're making that contact, but when you receive those responses, it's really hard to dig deeper into the why because you can put why in the survey, but what you're likely looking for and digging for will be even deeper than just a superficial question that they're asking. Um, and so in terms of what you should do in, for collecting feedback, it's always get on the phone, a hangout, in person, over a coffee with the potential customer and just dive as deep as you can into any potential problem that you see. Now, in terms of actually acquiring those conversations and customers, um, there's with any new product, I, I think one of the hardest questions that people have to answer is, well, who's my customer, right? Um, because without knowing the answer to that question, uh, you don't know if you're solving the right problem and you don't know what solution to really build that they'd be willing to pay for. Um, and so <clears throat> you have to consider kind of four things when you're identifying potential customers. Excuse me. <clears throat> it's customers that are the easiest to reach. Uh, customers that are part of a large market, customers that have the most pain point, and customers that you're most passionate about helping. And so let's say you're trying to do, I don't know, an application and you see the potential for it in the enterprise market, um, but there's also you know, a segment where consumers could use it. Um, again, if you're trying to do validation, uh, you know, if we're talking about customers that experience a large pain point, you know, that's for you to kind of weigh between whether enterprise or regular consumers uh, have more pain. Now, uh, in terms of being the easiest to reach, again, you're a startup. Enterprise, you're going through 13 levels of bureaucracy. Consumers, you can reach out to them. You can chat with them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and so you just keep going down the list who you're passionate about helping who's part of a large market, but you can kind of use that customer matrix to identify a couple of potential customers. And then really it's just, you know, you put the beer goggles on and you just pin the tail on the donkey and wherever it lands, you just go with, uh, it's really just about picking one place and starting there. Um, and then in terms of actually finding those customers, it's identifying the blogs that they read, the uh, podcasts that they listen to, the meetups that they go to, um, it's really understanding how and where they consume content because those are going to be the easiest mediums to get in front of them. Um, and usually in the beginning, uh, you really want high bandwidth communication between those early customers because you want to continue to reach out to them and say, hey, can you give me your opinion on this? Hey, can you give me feedback on this new update? Um, and so you want to really treat it as kind of relational and not transactional. So don't just blast out, you know, a thousand emails of random people. Uh, it's really kind of get in front of them and build that relationship early, early on. Uh, because not only are you going to want feedback out of these customers, uh, you're going to want to turn them into brand evangelists if possible so you can maximize your sales and outreach efforts so that each person that you bring on, uh, they'll grab another three people, et cetera, et cetera. So I hope you're enjoying this episode with Christian Bao, but let me just take a moment to thank my two sponsors, uh, TopTal and GummyCube. So first, TopTal. Uh, TopTal are actually the world's best when it comes to getting the best talent for your developer team, your designer team. Uh, the uh, flexibility of working with someone through TopTal is incredible. Uh, for example, you get to work with someone who comes onto your team as a core part of your team. Uh, these are the top 3% of 
uh, developers and designers in the world. They have this incredible assessment process uh, that actually determines uh, their skills. Uh, they've put a lot of work and effort into their assessment. And as a result, it's uh, better than a top 3% creaming off the best of the best. And uh, that means you get access to that network and they become part of your core team, your developer team, your designer team. And then you work with them uh, to what you want. You know, if you want to work with them full time, that's fine. Uh, if you want to work with them part time or even just on an hourly basis, and you can increase or decrease your level of engagement with that developer or designer as you see fit. Uh, you might work with them for two weeks, two months, two years. I mean, there's the clients that have actually in, uh, worked with uh, TopTal staff for uh, over two years and uh, they're just so good. You have the flexibility of, of basically working with someone when you want, how you want, where you want. Uh, the flexibility is a very big advantage to TopTal. So instead of uh, going through the process of employing someone uh, full-time and all the pains and the challenges that you have to find that talent, just use TopTal. It's much easier. You get the world's best TopTal talent. That's top talent and uh, you get uh, a much better process and it saves time and money. So to get that uh, access to that two week, up to two week trial, uh, then you best go through uh, toptal.com forward slash pool. That's toptal.com forward slash pool. And I uh, want to thank Toptal for being just such an awesome uh, sponsor of the show. And next, I'd like to thank GummyCube. GummyCube have been a long-running sponsor of this show. I've talked a lot about their App Store optimization service. It really is uh, the, the world's best. Uh, and they've actually been doing this for, for several years now where uh, they're actually taking data from the app stores. So not the uh, web data that you're, uh, you're sort of getting access to, but the app store data. And as you know, in your own behavior, the way you behave on an app store is much different to the way you behave on a, a website browser. And, and that's the data you need. You need to be able to find uh, those keywords that uh, help you the most with your downloads. And you need to optimize uh, for those. Uh, and they are the world's best when it comes to uh, getting your app ranked, getting it high up the app store, working out the keywords that are best for the ranking, working out all these other things as part of their service, your icon, uh, your description, uh, just everything to help improve your downloads and get ahead of the game. So if you want to go to someone that I uh, actually think are the best, uh, then go to GummyCube for your App Store optimization. So that's GummyCube, G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E.com, GummyCube.com, very relevant to the show. And thanks very much to GummyCube for being such a great sponsor of the show. So let's get back to uh, our episode with Christian Bao. So Christian, I, that's great stuff. And I just want to switch gears slightly because we do have a lot of people listening to this, uh, the Appster tribe who have le left corporate jobs, who have gone on to pursue their own startups, their own companies. And I wondered what got you interested in doing your own thing. You are a mentor to many people and it sounds unbelievably exciting what you do. How... Um, uh, yeah, would you suggest this kind of lifestyle that you're leading to for others who, who are maybe listening to this within a nine to five corporate job? Mm. All right. So all of you nine to five, five corporate jobbers, <laughs> uh, one thing to really understand is that entrepreneurship um, is uh, 
the the representation of entrepreneurship is the iceberg and so everything that you see in the media that you read about that you watch on TV it is that top little 10% of that iceberg and what you don't see is the five years it took to be that overnight success and so it's all the hard work and the dedication and the unwavering resolve and every everything they have to push through and all the shit that you have to deal with and the customers that hate you and the critics that just completely rail on you all the time and it's uh going through that roller coaster you always hear the roller coaster is absolutely true and so again it's understanding um that there is far more to it than than what you see again on you know television or radio or reading in books uh there are times where uh you may not be able to pay, pay the bill next month right and so you have that on top of you plus everything else that's going on in your startup um and so you really have to be incredibly mentally strong to be able to kind of push through that now one of my favorite quotes is that uh, the hottest fire uh, makes the hardest steel. Um, so even if you try it, you will come out certainly a better person with a different perspective. But I would say if you have an idea right now, you're in a nine to five job, uh, do not quit your job to validate your idea, right? Uh, you quit your job to grow your business. And so you can validate an idea nights and weekends when you get home at five you can immediately go to that event again in front of a potential customer. You can sketch out wireframes for a product um, and start kind of putting something together. You can go to events on the weekend. You can make those phone calls during lunch. You can do everything that you need to to validate demand for your product and identify yourself in the right problem for the right customer before you ever jump ship in order to pursue it. And so in putting yourself in the best position, giving yourself the most runway, the just validate nights and weekends, be the night and weekend warrior. And once, you know, you know, when you've, when you've hit, hit the right thing, because you don't have to ask the question, you know, is this working anymore? Um, am I, you know, is, is this what people want? You'll, you'll know when you know. And at that point, that's when you quit your nine to five to then build and grow the business. But Christian, I don't, I don't think I've had a better answer to why I do this podcast than that, because uh, it's the reason I started it up was because I did exactly that. I quit way, way before I should have done. And, I uh, did too. And you know, sometimes <laughs> people have to learn the hard way, right? No matter how many generations we go through, no matter how many times you tell your 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 sibling or your child, don't touch the hot oven, uh, they still do it. And sometimes people have to learn the hard way, but. <clears throat> If you're listening to this, um, you've heard two counts of that now. Uh, please heed that advice and don't make the same mistake we did. <laughs> so just finally then, uh, I guess as we're summing up, how, how can people learn more about you and what you do and I guess we try and connect with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so notiontheory.com, uh, the word notion and theory just combined. Uh, if you go on the site, we're always doing a lot of cool stuff. Again, we mess around with not only web mobile, but we do product delivery for hardware virtual reality. Um, we're also moving into augmented reality. So any kind of future tech uh, we're a part of. Um, really, email is the best way. Um, actually, are you going to be leaving email or anything? Yeah, I can do. Yeah, it's all going to be okay. on the uh, episode show notes, which can be found at theappguy.co, and it will be episode 467. Okay, great. So we'll leave my email in the show notes. And then uh, I'm on Twitter at Christian Bao. And uh, yeah, just reach out. Happy to have a conversation and um, look forward to helping some of you. Well, Christian, that's an absolutely fascinating journey through um, uh, loads of golden nuggets and great advice. Thanks very much for coming on the App Guy podcast and all the best. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I've got another episode coming out shortly, but for the time being, I'd just like to make an announcement about my plans for the future. I will be continuing this podcast and actually doing it from Asia. I'm flying over to Kuala Lumpur on the 19th of July and then heading off to Cambodia for a few weeks and uh, also Vietnam and then uh, ending up in Bali for a majority of the time. So if you are in Asia, if you want to hook up, if you want to have a coffee, a beer, uh, go to one of these community uh, digital hubs, then I'd love to hear from you. Do get in touch and maybe we can arrange to uh, hook up. And so it's really the reason I do this podcast is because of the freedom, the freedom free of a boss and also free from... Uh, any kind of uh, restraints on location uh, so I can actually be where I want, when I want uh, and uh, with who I want. So uh, it's a great lifestyle, digital nomad lifestyle and I highly encourage it. So if you are in Asia and uh, you are traveling through Asia uh, or actually even on holiday, I've met some people while I'm uh, there on holiday, uh, just uh, get in touch. It's paul at theappguy.co, paul at theappguy.co, or you could uh, go and uh, go to my website, uh, theappguy.co, and there's a contact form on there as well. So hope to see you uh, whilst I'm traveling through Asia for the entire summer and uh, then return in September 2016. So uh, hopefully we can hook up. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to getting another episode to you shortly. Bye for now. <laughs>